Have you ever had that feeling when you leave the doctor's office and think, what did they just say? Or have any burning questions you didn't have time to ask? Or, I don't remember anything that just happened in that appointment. Or even, were they speaking my language? Yeah, us too. That's where we come in. We're the podcast dedicated to helping you understand what your doctor said about that thing you saw your doctor for in the first place. We understand it can be an information overload. We're here to help. I'm Dr. Josh Fletcher, a family medicine resident at Northrop General Hospital in Toronto. And I'm Jake Bloom, the person who doesn't know what's happening at the doctor's office. Welcome to Dr. Dictionary. I just want to make a quick disclaimer that this podcast isn't meant to be a replacement for a traditional doctor's appointment, nor is it meant to be providing medical advice. Rather, it's meant to be a supplement to your doctor's visit and explain why your doctor asked what they asked and help you explain the diagnosis and common treatment plans. Lastly, doctors often have very different styles and approaches to a patient and their diagnosis. If we discuss a question or treatment plan that your doctor didn't mention, that doesn't mean that they were wrong. This could represent a different in practice style or simply the fact that your doctor knows you better than we do and has created a treatment plan that better fits your lifestyle. Welcome back to Dr. Dictionary. In today's episode, we'll be focusing specifically on exercise and diabetes, answering any burning questions you may have, and addressing the common misconceptions on this topic. I'm very excited to be joined by Kate Carey, a diabetes nurse educator working at the North York Family Health Team. So Kate, how important is exercise exactly? Does it really help with my blood sugars? Exercise is one of the central tools in your diabetes management toolkit, along with diet and nutrition, stress management, and medications if and when needed. And why is it that exercise is important for diabetes management? It's because exercise essentially works like medication for your body, but only carries potentially positive side effects. The goal in diabetes management is preventing or reducing your risk of diabetes-related complications, so primarily complications related to your heart, such as heart attack, heart disease, and stroke, as well as complications related to your eyes, kidneys, and nerves in your feet. And regular physical activity and exercise is helpful in achieving this. Um, And above and beyond helping with blood sugar management, increased physical activity carries a host of other benefits that are associated with significantly lower morbidity and mortality in people who have diabetes. And so how does exercise exactly help lower your blood sugars? So when you exercise, your muscles are actively using glucose or sugar for this energy. And also, for a period of up to 48 hours after exercise, your body can tend toward an increased sensitivity to insulin, meaning that your cells will respond more effectively to the insulin that your body is making and more efficiently utilize sugar from your blood and your body. Great. And if you haven't listened to our previous episodes, we have one talking about exactly what is the mechanisms behind diabetes, as well as some of those complications you just spoke about. So I encourage you to go back and listen to those if you haven't already. So just moving on, are there other benefits of exercise other than for controlling blood sugars? Right. So as I just mentioned in the earlier question, increased physical activity can reduce your overall morbidity and mortality associated with having diabetes. 
and carries a myriad of benefits above and beyond just improved blood sugar levels and decreased insulin resistance. Some of the other benefits associated with increased physical activity include improved cardiovascular or heart fitness, improved cholesterol levels, uh, decrease or reducing blood pressure. It can help with weight loss or weight maintenance. It can help improve your ability to manage stress and also help improve sleep quality. Among many other things, the list is somewhat exhaustive, but those are some of the primary points I wanted to highlight today. Okay, great. It sounds like exercise, not only like you said, can really alter and improve your blood sugars, but also has a ton of benefits for overall health in general. Right. So that being said, how much should I be exercising ideally then? Like what should my goal be? So when we're thinking about um, the recommendations related to exercise and physical activity, I just want you to remember two important things. So first, physical activity really encompasses all kinds of movement and activity in your day and is not just limited to planned exercise. And secondly, that the physical activity guidelines for people or adults living with diabetes are the exact same guidelines as for all Canadian adults. So Even if you don't have diabetes, these are the guidelines you should be following as well. So let's just focus in on physical activity. So really, quite simply, the goal is to sit less during the day and increase your overall movement. So how can you do this? So in terms of setting and achieving realistic goals, we'll look at things in a stepwise manner, starting with simply moving more throughout the day and reducing the amount of time you spend sitting or sedentary or at rest. So this can be a great way to start to include more activity in your day without really having to carve out a set amount of time, for example, 30 minutes every day to do exercise. And ways you can include more activity in your day can look uh, like taking the stairs instead of the elevator, parking farther away from your office or the grocery store, And trying to get up once every 30 to 60 minutes to move. So doing things like standing up, stretching, or doing some light walking, or even going to grab a glass of water. These all count towards movement in your day. Even spending periods of time standing instead of sitting has improved health benefits. So once you get good at including more movement in your day, then you can start to build in some planned cardiovascular or aerobic activity. So ideally for this type of activity, you want to accumulate at least 150 minutes in a week. And these types of activities are performed at a moderate to vigorous effort. So you might notice you're breathing more heavily and your heart rate is increased. So a simple way to measure your effort when you're doing this type of exercise, and this was mentioned in a previous episode, is called the talk test. So you can still be able to talk during these exercises, but if you can sing, you need to increase your intensity a little bit. And examples of aerobic activities include brisk walking, jogging, swimming, dancing, and sports like soccer and tennis. Uh, So remember that the goal, this is a goal you can work towards. So if you're not doing any aerobic activity right now, you don't need to accumulate 150 minutes this week. We can start to work towards that. And any type of increased movement will have added benefits to your health. And you continue to sort of work on and build this over time and continue to optimize. So we want to focus on setting a realistic goal, which might be 
starting out with a 15-minute walk three days a week. And then once you're able to consistently do that, you can work up to five days a week and then work up towards that 30 minutes, five days a week. And then finally, for our physical activity recommendations, uh, once you've gotten in the routine of regularly increasing your daily movement and getting in your aerobic exercise, it is also recommended to include two to three sessions of muscle strengthening exercises each week. And ideally, when you're doing these types of muscle strengthening sessions, you want to include eight different exercises performed in a circuit type format that work towards strengthening all of your lower body, your core, as well as your upper body. And these exercises can be performed using resistance bands, weights, weight machines, even your own body weight. And if you don't have any of that equipment available, you can even use equipment or uh, tools readily available in your home, like soup cans, water bottles, or even laundry detergent containers. And that's definitely what I've been doing during the pandemic, using like tote bags filled with textbooks, because that's all I have around the house. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I just want to repeat that just uh, like to summarize the main points. So correct me if I'm wrong. Any sort of activity is better than nothing. And just being able to move around, stretching, light walking, taking the stairs is great. The actual recommendations once we start doing that is at least 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous activity. And once we reach that goal, then we start thinking about um, strengthening exercises, about two to three sessions a week, including exercises that involve the entire body. Is that more or less correct? Yes. Good. So are there any times I really shouldn't be exercising? Like, is it always safe? Right. So for most people, the health risks of not being physically active far outweigh those that exercise would. Um, And especially if you're starting out with an exercise like brisk walking, that the risks are relatively low. That being said, there are a few things to consider when you are beginning to exercise and you have diabetes. So if you are on certain medications that have a risk of causing low blood sugars, and these medications are primarily insulin and sulfonylureas, it's important to check your blood sugar before, during, and after exercise, and include checking several hours after exercising because you can have a prolonged blood sugar-lowering effect. Um, And this is more important when you are first starting out a new exercise routine so you can learn how exercise is impacting your blood sugars. And remembering, too, if you are on these medications, it's always important to carry your glucometer or your blood sugar meter with you while exercising and to bring a fast-acting source of sugar such as glucose tablets, lifesavers, or a juice box in the event that you do have or feel like you are having a low blood sugar. Also, for patients who have been diagnosed with eye disease uh, like retinopathy or nerve damage such as neuropathy, or you have a history of heart disease, you should first speak with your healthcare provider to make sure the exercise you're planning to include is safe. You may require some additional testing prior to beginning. For example, you might need an electrocardiogram if you have heart disease. Also, if you've been told by your healthcare practitioner that you have peripheral neuropathy, which is damage to the nerves in your feet and legs, Make sure to check your feet before and after exercise, as well as discuss a specific plan for safe exercises that you can do. And then the one other circumstance 
that you should be mindful of exercising in is extreme heat conditions, especially if you have diabetes and are elderly or have heart or lung disease or are on medications like SGLT2 inhibitors that um, can cause it or ha- carry an increased risk of dehydration. Um, so exercising in extreme heat when these conditions are present can increase your risk of heat-related illness. Some ways to avoid heat-related illness are making sure to drink enough water and try to choose a time to exercise either early in the morning or later in the evening when it's cooler. Great. So in your experience, are there any common myths or misconceptions you often hear about exercise and diabetes? I wouldn't say that there's a common uh, myth or misperception per se about exercise, but I do think that in general, the importance of exercise is somewhat underappreciated or perhaps underestimated by many people. Uh, And this can be for many reasons. So for many people, it can be quite challenging to find both the time and motivation to exercise. But as you can see from all that we've discussed so far, exercise is invaluable both to your overall health and blood sugar management. And there can be very there can be many perceived barriers to exercise. And certainly with the pandemic restrictions this year, there are actual barriers in place like gym and community center closures, group class cancellations that have affected how and when we can exercise. But physical activity doesn't need to be overcomplicated. Usually just having a good pair of walking or running shoes and appropriate gear for the weather is all you need to be successful. And sometimes it takes just a bit of creativity, like using soup cans. Uh, But really, you can be physically active anywhere and in lots of different ways. So what would be your take-home message about exercising and diabetes? Yeah, I think the take-home message is any amount of activity is better than none, and small changes really can amount to big differences. Increasing your daily activity and including regular exercise is one of the keys to good blood sugar management and can help you live a long, healthy life with diabetes. And also remember when you are choosing something to choose something that you enjoy so that you'll be able to keep that up long term. Great. Uh, last question for you. Do you have any resources that you usually recommend to your patients to, to read or learn more about exercise and diabetes? Yes. Yeah, so Diabetes Canada is the best resource for all information pertaining to diabetes. The information is regularly updated, reviewed, and is evidence-based. And for exercise specifically, they have different tools and resources that you can use, including exercise and resistance training videos. So, Kate, if anyone wants to reach you directly or or wants to see you, I guess, virtually now, how should they go about doing that? Right. So the best way to get more information about our program is to visit our website at nyfht.com and visit the section on our diabetes education program. Great. Thanks so much, Kate, for joining us today. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, as always, if anyone has any other questions, feel free to email us at thedoctordictionary at gmail.com or tweet us at thedoctordictionary. Thanks for having me. It was fun discussing exercise and physical activity with you today. As always, I'd like to thank Nick and John Braganiolo for recording the ritual music. Stay tuned for next episode on diet and diabetes. <laughs>